Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. North Carolina Central University School of Law graduated its first class in 1943. The mission of NCCU Law is to provide high-quality, personalized, practice-oriented, and affordable legal education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to increase diversity in the legal profession. On Saturday, May 7, 2022, 124 individuals will graduate from NCCU School of Law and be closer to their dream of becoming a practicing lawyer. The law school journey is a challenging one, and it takes determination, perseverance, and support. We are so very proud of each of our graduating students and commend them for reaching their goal. Tonight, we'll discuss this legal education journey with some of our graduating law students. And our guests for this evening's discussion are Chasley Woodley, Reginald Woods, Sherelle Greiner, and Herbert Brown. So first, congratulations to each of you, and thank you for taking time out of your schedule amidst finals to talk with us this evening. So we're going to start with having each of you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what led you to decide to go to law school. Ms. Woodley, let's start with you. Okay, so for me, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer since I was eight years old. Um, I think it probably came from my desire to watch jug shows <laughs> as a little girl. Um, that probably wasn't in the typical eight-year-old little girl palette of shows. Um, but I just found so much interest in it. And then I found interest in shows like Criminal Minds um, <laughs> and any legal show you could think. I just found it super interesting. And so I always found myself in situations where I wanted to advocate for people who didn't have a voice themselves. Um, and then got involved with Teen Court as a teenager. Um, and I love that. I absolutely love that experience. Um, and so from there, my mom was like, okay, this is not just a hobby. This is something you really have a passion for. And so that's when she started putting me in, you know, organizations and she started finding things during the summer that I could be a part of. I remember being a part of the Legal Eagle Camp. Um, or no, maybe it was called something different then, but it was actually through the university where they pair, uh, partnered with the law school and we were able to go over and learn about the law school and um, learn about what it meant to actually be a lawyer. Um, and my interest continued to grow. And so from there, I kind of knew law school was um, definitely gonna be a goal of mine. Excellent, thank you for that. And Mr. Woods. Yes, ma'am. So. Um, like Ms. Woodley, um, my um, youth years were also spent um, with just an interest in, you know, wanting to engage in the community. Um, I actually attended a missionary Baptist, Baptist church in Charlotte, North Carolina, St. Paul Baptist Church. Um, and my pastor at the time uh, was heavily involved in community engagement and social activism. Um, so from an early age, you know, I was involved in those type of um, 
activities. And so whether it was raising money for Gena 6, this Gena 6 fund, uh, things of that nature, um, it sort of like sparked my interest in um, just social activism and engagement. And so that kind of propelled me throughout high school as well as college and sort of got me where I am today. Excellent. Thank you. And Ms. Greiner. Hi. So for me, I would like to say I think that it started around my high school years where I was certain that I wanted to go to law school, um, just mainly because I wanted to advocate for people. So I did a lot of volunteering just at grassroots organizations within like my community at the time. And what I realized that it was just a lot of people that just needed help, you know, and so I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in life, but I knew I wanted to help people. And so um, when it was time to start applying for college and picking degrees, I just remember like telling my mom, like, I think I'm going to do social work. Like they get to help people, you know? And my mom was like, there are a lot of jobs that allow you to help people. Like you want to make sure you pick one that's also going to be able to, you know, financially, like, you know, put you in a position where you can take care of yourself. So she made me like sit down and look at all the routes to help people and their projected salaries and it blew my mind how much they paid social workers. So I was like, okay, mom, I'm not going to school for social work. So um, the next route was actually, you know, law. So I went to undergrad for political science because it was a way that I could advocate and help people. Thank you very much. And Mr. Brown. Yeah, so um, unlike my colleagues, my interest in law school did not develop until a lot later in life. Um, during my youth, it was completely out of my realm of possibilities, you know, for just based on, you know, coming, growing up in poverty. Um, but during my uh, graduate studies at NC State um, in the social work program, um, studying to be an advocate and a social worker, uh, it was at that point that it began to grow um, and I began to see it, see it as a possible goal. And so at the end of my uh, grad school studies, I met with all of my PhD professors and um, I asked them, you know, based on what you know about me, um, law school or PhD, which route you think I should go? And at the end of those conversations, um, JD was uh, the next step. And so the reason um, I was going to go either way was, again, to raise the realm of possibility for my children, for my nieces and my nephews. And so I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in law or, you know, with a doctorate, but I knew I wanted to be a beacon of light to uh, my posterity and um, those younger folks in my family coming behind me. Thank you for that. All right, so you all have shared a little bit of information about, about your background. Um, Mr. Brown, you mentioned that uh, your early life, you weren't really thinking about law, it was outside of the realm of your possibility. Can you share a little bit about your, um, your upbringing and, and just your background pre-law school decision? So um, originally from the Bronx, New York, um, I'm an 80s baby. I grew up during uh, the crack epidemic. And so um, the possibilities, you know, our expectations were set pretty low. And so that kind of, you know, guided my childhood and my youth. Um, growing, um, I ended up joining the military um, to pay for college uh, for my undergrad um, because, of course, my family didn't have a whole lot of uh, resources or, or money. And so I knew if I wanted to go to college, I had to fund it on my own. And so I went the military route 
did five years active duty army, one tour overseas. Um, I returned from, from service, went into undergrad, um, got my undergrad business administration, did a couple of entrepreneurship ventures, um, various, various degrees of success there. Um, and then I started getting in, getting into, uh, wanting to help those that were, were growing up in impoverished neighborhoods, right? Wanted to go and give back. And so that's what led me to social work. And then as I realized that social workers are very valuable and very needed, but they have very little power um, to, to effect change, that's when I began to think about pursuing the law. Well, you know, a couple of you mentioned uh, this, uh, I guess, uh, flirtation with uh, social work and uh, being a uh, social worker. And obviously that is uh, a lot of uh, advocacy. Uh, there, Ms. Greiner uh, talked about the uh, low pay of uh, the uh, social work uh, field. Uh, but what, 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 because you, you run into, in many instances, low pay in the legal field. Uh, and that's no guarantee to uh, wealth or high income. So what was there uh, particularly about uh, the pursuit of a law degree? That, it, that made it so attractive uh, to you as a place for you to demonstrate or to uh, exemplify the advocacy desire that, uh, that, that you had. So I want to start with Ms. Griner uh, on that. Um, that was a great question. And so respectfully, like for me, it ultimately came down like the way I kind of look at things, I'm a visual. And so when my mom kind of sat me there and said, okay, where do you see yourself in this ag advocacy for people? I looked at it and almost in essence kind of came to the same rationalization that Herb just mentioned, which was like the power in the just system. So for me, I'm like, they do the majority of the work and they know like the people, I think rapport with persons are just so important. And so social workers for me, I was drawn to it because I'm like, I'm hands-on. I'm like, I wanna go actually work and advocate and help people with my hands and see them. And for me, you got to do that with social work. They did everything, but then they had to hand it off to somebody else. And so I think that's where I was like, ooh, you know, that would bother me if I just made this strong connections with persons that I wanna help, but then I can only help so far and I have to just trust that somebody else is going to then help them and advocate for them in a court system. I think that's what ultimately made me want to pursue the legal route because you were correct again when it comes to, you know, not all legal jobs are going to pay a lot. And honestly, what I want to do, it won't, you know, so I actually want to do, you know, like juvenile law and, you know, working as a nonprofit attorney and things like that. And so it was never really money that made me decide ultimately to do this profession it ended up being the fact that like I would have power to see something all the way to the end and for me that mattered because I think you know to have somebody start the race and love and care about persons and then somebody just fumble it right at the end like that to me is kind of you know injustice and I just felt like you know at least with me I feel like regardless of if I started the process or not, I could finish it strong as an attorney and make sure that people, you know, were actually advocated for to the end. And Mr. Woods, I know that you had some uh, journalistic uh, interests and background and have done a lot of work in that area. What, 
what, how did the law, or how do you see the law interacting with this uh, journalistic uh, background and interest uh, that you have in uh, promoting your, your advocacy interests? Yes, sir. So um, I think, you know, journalism is a form of expression. It's an art form, uh, in my personal opinion. And um, I think it's vital to ad advocacy um, in telling the story um, and offering uh, the community um, the truth. And so as far as where that intersects in the law is, you know, I have an obligation um, to help out the community, help out my people, um, and to also tell that story, to educate and inform individuals um, on what what is uh, at stake really and so I think that's where those two sort of intersect and so it, it sort of pushes me to um, become better in all aspects as well as far as communication as far as um, both written and oral as well as well as you know my ability to advocate um, on behalf of individuals as well and then I you know none of you are uh, so-called traditional students uh, in the sense that you came right out of undergraduate school and then immersed yourself in the uh, study of law uh, just past your teenage years when you didn't have any experience in the world or knew anything about what the real world was uh, was all about. So, uh, Ms. Woodley and, and, and Mr. Brown, can y'all kind of just talk about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the gains uh, in your insight uh, that you were able to uh, achieve by being a, a non-traditional uh, student. Absolutely. I think for me, um, I have a little bit of an interesting perspective on this um, because actually my first round to law school, um, I was straight out of undergrad. And so being able to compare that with coming in now for my second and final and last and never come back again <laughs> round um, as, you know, definitely a more mature adult. I have a family now. I've gotten my master's degree. I think there's such a game because you have an understanding of the world as a whole. Um, your perspective is different because when I'm in property, for me, fortunately, I bought a house. And so I wasn't just seeing something on paper. I wasn't just um, looking at things in DE as, you know, sticks and family trees, like my family has land, my family literally has things that I'm like, oh, so when that person does, it will come to me. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, so all of that made more sense to me, because I just have more life experiences. I'm in more conversations now, um, as an older, you know, adult versus someone who's straight out of high school, uh, or straight out of college, I should say, um, with only undergraduate experience. And I would say, even in the classroom, I think it makes it better because we're talking about situations um, in so many different perspectives, but then you have people who have actually been through some of the situations we're talking about and it just makes it better. Okay. Uh, this is the uh, Legal Legal Review and we, we, we're talking with uh, four of our graduating students about their uh, upbringing and what brought them to uh, law school and what is it that's going to carry them out and propel them on. We're waiting uh, after uh, we take our break uh, for Mr. Brown to uh, respond uh, to our last uh, question. But uh, this is uh, time for us to take our break and uh, want you to stay with us. Uh, and uh, we will be right back here on the Legal Review.
North Carolina Central University School of Law was founded in 1939 to provide opportunities for African-American students to become lawyers. Embracing our heritage, the mission of NCCU Law is to provide a quality, personalized, practice-oriented, and affordable education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to increase diversity in the legal profession. We empower our graduates to become highly competent and socially responsible lawyers and leaders committed to public service and to meeting the needs of underserved communities. NCCU Law is excited to announce the creation of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center, made possible by the generous pledge of $5 million by Intel Corporation. The mission of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center is to produce technology-conscious lawyers who will use technology in alignment with the law school's mission to 1. facilitate the efficient, effective, and ethical practice of law, and 2. increase the access of legal information and services to underserved communities. You can learn more about the Technology Law and Policy Center by visiting the NCCU Law website. Okay, we're back on the uh, Legal Eagle Review, and we're talking with uh, four of our graduates uh, to be. Uh, they are preparing now to walk down the uh, aisle and uh, pick up uh, their degree where they will become attorneys at law. And uh, so we're talking with them about uh, their journey. And uh, I mentioned as we uh, closed out our first segment uh, that uh, all of these uh, students are uh, non-traditional. Uh, and uh, Mr. Brown uh, was going to uh, talk about his uh, non-traditional journey uh, all the way from the uh, Bronx, New York, into uh, the military, which is probably not a big distinction uh, between being in the Bronx and being in the military. Uh, but um, Mr. Brown, can you kind of help the uh, audience to understand your journey uh, as you navigated from uh, from the Bronx uh, concourse and uh, into NC State and through the military uh, to end up here now as a uh, legal eagle? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, um, I truly believe being a non-traditional student um, gave me a great advantage on perspective, uh, being able to put context to fact patterns um, and the application of the law. Um, again, from being on the streets of the Bronx and um, seeing uh, police brutality firsthand, um, literally the one and only time I've ever had a, a, a weapon pointed at me was a police officer. Um, they're moving down to the South and seeing the, the, the disparity there between the North and the South. But one thing was clear and consistent um, is that neighborhoods of, of color were policed different than other neighborhoods, right? And so um, taking that experience and then traveling the world as a, as a soldier in the U.S. Army and interacting with various cultures around the world and um, international, um, as just, just different um, nationalities and backgrounds and ethnicities and, and ideologies. Um, and then, of course, coming back and, and going through the progression of academics and coming into law school with 
close to, I want to say about um, 20 years of work experience, right? If I, if I go all the way back to um, starting to work at 16 in high school, um, coming into law school at, at 35 um, with 20 years of work experience just allowed me to have a lot of context around concepts of law as I began to uh, just dive into the different courses. And so I think it, I think it, 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 there, there was an advantage there. I mean, there's some disadvantages of uh, being older, being a single parent and trying to juggle full-time law school at the same time. But I think some of those advantages uh, helped me along the way. So when we're thinking about being non-traditional students and both Professor Joyner and I um, as well took some time between undergrad and going to law school, and there are adjustments that have to be made when you're back in the academic setting. Um, so can you all share what adjustments you had to make being back in the classroom, particularly when we're talking about a learning environment that's different from undergraduate or some other graduate programs. It can be a rude awakening being exposed to what you have to do in law school. Um, and Mr. Woods, let's start with you. Yes, ma'am. So um, I, I was actually blessed with the opportunity to actually come from a law firm and then coming to law school. And I thought it was beneficial, beneficial in, in some aspects where um, I was sort of familiar with the law, but it's completely different when you're learning it in law school as opposed to when you're assisting attorneys with site checks and things of that nature. So um, it's more of a practical aspect. So uh, coming into law school, I think the biggest thing for me was um, sort of creating a study habit. Um, coming from undergrad, um, I mean, to be honest, you really don't have to study that hard, you know, um, as compared to law school. So I just want to make sure I put that in. I mean, you do have to study hard, but not in comparison to law school. It's, it's much, you know, more difficult. And so just getting a grasp of that and understanding the amount of time that needs to be put into this to uh, be successful, I think was the biggest uh, change that I had to adjust to personally. And Ms. Greiner, what about you? How, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, first year of law school and the whole kind of Socratic method, and then also when we're thinking about legal writing, can you talk about the um, surprise potentially that law school presented and, and how you dealt with that? Yes. So um, I did take a break in between, but I wasn't away from like academia itself. So I did teach for America. So I was actually, you know, on the opposite side. So I was the instructor, you know, the educator actually teaching. And so, you know, for me, I was, I felt so confident, ready to come back to school. I was like, you know, I here I am telling these kids to study and teaching them all these, you know, tricks. And I'm like, so of course I, I have them for myself. And I just remember going into the classroom and I'm like, oh no, I don't have this actually, you know, I don't have nearly the tools that I need to actually like, you know, study for law school. And I'm very grateful for critical thinking um, because the reality was law school was 100% different than any of the type of school, you know, that I've been in, whether I was in grade school or whether I was an undergraduate or whether I was the actual, you know, educator, you know, myself. Law school challenged me totally different in my approach because it wasn't about studying anymore, in my opinion. I feel like it was so simple to study. Like you can take something and look at it and study it and just memorize it and then, you know, go select A, B, C, or D. That was typically, you know, what school was for me. But law school became about preparation. 
Um, and that's totally different than studying. And so I really grew in, you know, my approach to material itself because I no longer just studied it, I had to prepare. So I literally had to do it over and over and over again in so many different, you know, I had to take a, a, a concept, a skill that I learned in class and apply it in various different, like, you know, ways with different facts, because it depends, you know, in law school, it depends, like, what if they say this? And so it really challenged me to just be prepared. And so I think that's the beautiful thing about law school is that it takes academia to another level and you're no longer just studying. You truly have to, you know, be prepared with all of the material because it just depends, you know? Yes, and Ms. Woodley, that's kind of a great segue into getting your perspective because you had to approach law school kind of the second time around in a slightly different way. So there, so you learned a lot from your first experience. Um, can yes. you talk about what adjustments you made? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, time management became a huge thing. Um, I think before I felt like I had so much free time. <laughs> But it wasn't free time. Like I would be like, oh, I've already read and I've already um, prepared for class tomorrow. So I just go to the mall or I just go visit family members. Um, but that wasn't time for me to be doing that. I should have been studying. And so what Ms. Greiner said, I totally agree with. There's a difference between class preparation, studying. Like when you come into law school, you know, especially from undergrad or from any um, you know, school environment, you're pretty much like, oh, I got this. I know how to do school, right? But it's not the same. And so I had to navigate time management in a different way. Um, every hour of my day, I pretty much know and knew at the time when I was coming, I was like, I got to know where I'm going, what I'm doing. Um, and I couldn't even put just study on my schedule. As I said, what are you studying? Like I'm studying torts. I'm studying contracts. I'm doing contracts multiples. I'm doing um, Civ Pro essays, like I had to be more direct and kind of tell myself what to do um, from, you know, each hour. And then I had to make sure I set aside time for dinner, you know, um, to talk to my husband, talk to my son. And then I had to make sure after that, it was like, all right, what are you doing after that? Don't say study, because then it could be a little bit of a mix of anything. Um, so just being very direct with that. And then even coming in, um, I know my first round, um, one of our <laughs> former professors, <laughs> Professor Clark, he used to call me Michelle Obama, but then I found out that he was calling me that for a, not a positive reason. He was like, you know, I call you that. I was like, cause she's awesome. He's like, you're awesome, but you're very social. And I was like, I just like to talk to people and see how they're doing. And he's like, Ms. Willie, you are not the therapist for the school. Like you don't need to be checking in with people. And he like would see me going around talking to different people, asking how they're doing. So I definitely found that balance. Um, I check on people in the hallway when I'm headed from one class to the next. I check on people, you know, I checked on people as a 3 when I had more availability this last semester to really talk and check in with people, but I found a better balance for sure um, in that regard too. And Mr. Brown, you're juggling a lot as well. You, you have children, you mentioned that you're a single um, father. Can you talk about, you know, even though you um, were, you had finished a uh, graduate program, a master's program, you knew that you were going to continue on with your educational pursuits. How was law school different than what you anticipated and, and how did you adjust your approach so that you could be successful? So, yeah, um, similar um, to Ms. Greiner, um, I didn't quite leave academia after grad school. Um, 
I taught adjunct at Durham Tech um, part time. And so I was kind of um, steadily in, you know, the academic setting. I think the biggest difference was um, having a very, very young person, right? So uh, my son was born um, maybe a few months before I graduated from my master's. So going through this program, with a toddler um, was definitely a challenge. It was something different that I had to adjust to his school, his changing school schedule, his needs, um, and just balancing, uh, finding a balance between my study time and, 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 and nurturing time for my son because he could care less if I'm in class online, he could care less if there's a meeting going on with a client, he could care less um, about any of that, an exam coming up, a paper due, he just, he, he, you know, he's like, okay, okay, dad, that's cool, but I want your time. And, you know, just striking a balance between that and him being in such tender years, I think was one of the biggest challenges. Um, the biggest difference, I think, between um, grad school and law school, of course, there were no exams in grad school, right? Everything was a written work product. Um, and it was a lot of theory and statistics and studies and, um, you know, just the state of, you know, social work in general. And so uh, law school was definitely a, a, a more intense uh, challenge when it comes to examinations and just knowing how to write a law school essay, I think was one of the biggest things, the biggest learning curve for me was um, the structure of a law school essay, how to brief a case, you know, it's one thing to, to read for class, it's another thing to brief a case and and be prepared to be cold calls um, in class. And so I think those were the biggest differences for me from, from one academic setting to, to the other. You know, one of the things that, uh, that we learn early on is that uh, the uh, law school experience is not a solo journey. Uh, it is not something that you do alone. Uh, it is not something that you are able, able to navigate uh, as an individual uh, even though it requires your, uh, you to rely upon your individual knowledge and skill, preparation and development, uh, but there are also uh, needs uh, that you have. So who, who was it that you relied upon to give you that kind of uh, foundation, uh, that, uh, that strength uh, that you needed to uh, navigate through the rough moments? Uh, that uh, that you were in law school. So let me just start with uh, Mr. Woods uh, on that uh, with that question. Yes, sir. So um, I definitely have to give thanks to uh, my wife as well as my parents. Um, they were, you know, vital to me making it through. Um, I mean, on every visit that I made uh, teach law school that I was admitted to, um, my parents as well as my wife accompanied me, and so uh, they were informed of you know how. Um, demanding law school would be. But that still doesn't really prepare you for those long nights and uh, the mental, you know, stress that it can put on you as well as physical. And so um, I definitely would have to thank them for just being supportive throughout, like, especially my wife, like she, uh, she endured definitely throughout these past three years. So I definitely appreciate her for that. So <laughs> if she's listening to this, I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's been a, a long three years, especially, you know, being, uh, dealing with the pandemic, um, her job went remote. And so we were both home together. 
uh, all day, every day. And so uh, being newlyweds, you know, one year in, you know, we, we made it work. I'll just say that we made it work and we're blessed. And so I appreciate them uh, for that time. Okay, Ms. Grun. Um, So for me, I'm going back with echoing Reggie a little bit. Um, so it was a mixture of my wife and my, honestly, support group that I had, like, within Central itself. So I have some amazing, you know, friends that I met one L year that became, you know, my study group. And so, you know, we were going through the exact same thing because I, I didn't have anybody in my, in my closest, like nest, like my family or friends prior to law school that, you know, had experienced law school. So I just didn't have it there. And so it was actually so beautiful to be in a place, you know, where people look like me, identified, you know, like me. I just came from, you know, a PWI for undergrad. And so being here, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, these girls can actually tell me what to put in my hair product, you know, like, so it, it was just like, it was mind blowing. I'm like, I didn't have that before, but I'm like, not y'all just gave me the best edge control of my life. So it was like, I was getting, you know, hair secrets and all this stuff. So I was just like, so excited when I was here to like find and cultivate, like, you know, a great group of like, you know, just supportive women. And then also, you know, like having my wife for those long nights, because, you know, the way our like life is set up, like we do life in distance anyway, you know, with sports and stuff. And so it kind of worked out perfect because I was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm about to put this phone on FaceTime and we're going to mute it. And, you know, if you see me nod off, unmute and tell me to wake up because I promise I'm not done with the work yet, you know? And so that was kind of my accountability partner, you know, for just like studying because I do like to study alone, but I did need somebody to kind of tell me to keep going because it can get exhausting. Like at some point, you know, law school, it makes you contemplate like, you know, am I capable? Like I'm exhausted right now. Like maybe, you know, I don't have it in me. And so for me, you know, my wife was at accountability, like, no, you definitely got this. It's just difficult, but keep going though. You know? So um, my wife and my uh, study group was just amazing for me. Ms. Woodley. I would say pretty much the same. Um, my husband, my family um, study group, but you know, I have to give kudos to the professors. Um, Professor Joyner, you're my advisor. And so <laughs> we always say Professor Joyner is uh, the well of wisdom. You always give something super brief, but it's super powerful. And you used to always say in our meetings, <laughs> you're closer to the end than you've ever been. And I was like, that is so deep. And then I was like, wait, it's also practical. I am closer to the end because it's a new day. Um, and so that was always encouraging. And it's always encouraging when our professors kind of remind us, you know, of the bigger picture and remind us. Um, Dean Dawson, I love you in con law. Um, I'm kind of sad that the students don't get to experience you in con law because I'm always like, oh my gosh, she was the best. Um, but you giving us those spaces to talk and remind ourselves that we're humans outside of law school um, and we can express ourselves. That was also encouraging because it reminded you of your why, um, which I'm sure all of us have our why of why we're here and why we finished and all of that. But it was just, um, I, I would say, a combination of those things, family, study group, um, and definitely the professors as well and their encouragement. Hey, Mr. Brown. Yeah, so kind of echoing the, uh, the same as my colleagues, uh, my former fiance for the first two years was a really big support. 
Um, my son's mother, um, when I needed a break, when I needed to be flexible, my, my mom would step in as well to help me out with the little guy. Um, but again, my professors um, were, were amazing. Um, Professor Vernon, uh, uh, Dean Dawson, uh, uh, Dean Corbett, of course, um, and then my academic advisor, Dean Green, were tremendous supports. And I've got to say, I've, I, I also leaned a lot on someone else on this call, and that'd be Mr. Woods. And so um, living so far from the law school and not, not, not being on campus as much, um, he was a great resource, whether it's just tossing back and forth uh, legal uh, ideas or, or things we were studying in class, or simply to just vent or just to, to talk about something completely unrelated to law to take a break. And so um, those, are, those are my supports. Well, all right. You are listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we have been talking this hour with four amazing NCCU law students who are very close to graduating. We have with us here in our Zoom studio, Chasley Woodley, Reginald Woods, Sherelle Greiner, and Herbert Brown. We're going to have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. We hope you stay with us. Hello, my name is Brittany Burks, and I am currently a 2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law. And this is your community spotlight. The North Carolina Central University School of Law offers four certificate programs. Upon completion of the specified requirements, law students may earn a certificate in civil rights and constitutional law, dispute resolution, tax law, or justice in the practice of law. As a part of the Eagle Promise, NCCU School of Law offers our students four outcomes upon graduation. Completing a degree program on time, becoming socially and globally engaged, proving leadership, and graduating market ready. More information about any legal program is at 919-530-6610. My name is Brittany Burks with the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back on the uh, Legal Eagle View. Thank you so very much for uh, staying with us uh, this evening as we uh, conclude this uh, discussion with uh, four uh, graduating uh, legal eagle, eagles who are eager uh, to get out into the profession uh, to become their own uh, representative and advocates for the people. And we're very proud of uh, each of them and uh, all that they have shared uh, with you uh, this, uh, this, this evening. Um, I know that one of the uh, honors that uh, was uh, bestowed upon uh, Ms. Greiner uh, had to do with her uh, pro bono service to the, uh, to the community. Can you kind of talk about that, uh, Ms. Greiner, and then uh, as a part of the accomplishments that you feel that you were able to make uh, at, the, uh, at the law school while you were there? And we're going to 
raised that question with the other graduates uh, as well. But I wanted to start with her because she uh, won the prize as being the uh, pro bono giver of, uh, of, the, uh, of, of the year. So, and, and there will be more opportunities for you to give. <laughs> well, thank you for that lovely introduction there, but it is not needed. Um, I feel like one of the reasons why I came to Central was because of the motto. So truth and service um, stuck so deep with me from the beginning when I was just deciding where I wanted to attend and who I wanted to cultivate me um, as a future attorney. And Central did everything that I thought it was going to do. It gave me, you know, a platform to be able to actually use and help people that look like me, that came from similar backgrounds as me. And so it was, it was an honor to be able to actually go out and help um, the community. A lot of my work um, was with, if you may not know about it, it's Guardian Ad Litem uh, program. And so any and everybody can actually, you know, be a guardian ad litem to uh, children in a foster care program is open for just, you know, your everyday citizens. You do not have to have a legal background of any degree. And so I felt like I was able to help um, in a tremendous way because the way God works is just so mysterious, but, you know, I ended up getting assigned to a little girl who looks just like me, you know, so she's a black little girl around like the age of like 12. And it's just amazing. You know, she had been displaced in, I want to say almost 13, 14 different homes by the time I met her at the age of 12. And so, you know, it was mind blowing. And I ended up being like her third guardian ad litem. And I'm like, oh no, we need some stability here, you know? And so it's just been a joy, you know, to kind of bring, you know, a little bit of stability in areas within our community that are kind of, you know, dismantling, you know, at a rapid pace. And I feel like the foster care system is one of those areas. So, um, Serving was, you know, just a pure pleasure to that degree. And then also, you know, um, working in the juvenile law clinic was amazing as well. You know, I want to advocate for children and, and help children. And so Central gave me another platform to be able to do that because, you know, when the semester ends, technically, you know, you're done, but, you know, not with Central, you know, like they give you the opportunity, you know, the first thing that Judge Mitchell said was, hey, if you guys want to keep working, she was like, here's the links and here's this and, you know, we'd love for you to come out and I just thought that was amazing. I'm like, of course, well, send me the link there, you know, if I don't have to just hang it up because the semester ended. So um, Central just gave me, you know, so many opportunities to actually, you know, uphold the model truth and service. And so, you know, it has, Central will always have a special place in my heart because the school lived up to exactly, you know, the motto. And so for me, like that means a lot to me because I don't make decisions lightly. And so I wanted to come to a place that gave me that opportunity and I found it here. And Ms. Woodley, you, you became the uh, president of the uh, Student Bar Association. I guess you were involved on the political side of the operation of the, uh, the law school as well as doing a lot of uh, pro, pro bono efforts. So what, in addition to that, what do you see as uh, your accomplishments while you were in law school? One of my major accomplishments is finishing. <laughs> um, and I, I say that because from a personal standpoint, like I went through so much mentally um, just coming back a second round, you know, um, just for me personally, I'm a Christian. And so it took a lot of um, building my spiritual muscles and telling myself mentally, like, I can do this, I can finish this. 
last time is not this time. Um, and I really appreciate one of my colleagues, Miss Riley. She would say that to me sometimes. I think she could sit, sit on me. And sometimes she would say, this is not last time. This is not last time you can do it. So I would say um, serving as SBA president was one of my greatest honors um, and privileges. Um, and I love doing pro bono via um, team court. I love team court because it was such a full circle moment for me being able to now come back and kind of serve as the coordinator while being in team court as a teenager. Um, so I love that. But I think every day I was just grateful that my biggest accomplishment was bringing the best me I possibly could to the class. Um, I think I always came as prepared as possible. I always came um, wanting not to just be a student, but to also check on my classmates, of course, in moderation, not being too social, but um, checking on my classmates, having a good balance. Um, and I wanted to not just be a good law student, but I did want to be a great mom. Um, I wanted to be a good wife. I wanted to be a good um, person. You know, I didn't want law school to totally uh, just destroy me or make me something that I wasn't. So I think that will, I mean, it's basic for me, but just finishing, finishing and finishing strong too, um, because I literally gave a thousand percent this time. And I saw that result um, come forth through my grades and through just different achievements that, you know, you don't see until later on. So yeah, that would be, I would say, my basic thing. And Mr. Woods, you were uh, working with the Legal Legal Review uh, for a while, uh, helping to uh, educate uh, this community and this uh, audience, as well as uh, becoming a uh, working, continuing working as a journalist uh, in the uh, community. And I know you were doing outreach both inside and outside of the uh, of the law school. So can you kind of talk about uh, what you see as uh, your accomplishments while you were in law school? Yes, sir. So um, I remember when I first started with the Legal Eagle Review, and um, it was actually in your class that I approached you after class and asked, you know, uh, would you all consider allowing uh, students to assist on the show? And you informed me that uh, Dean Dawson was actually looking for individuals. And so it kind of like the stars aligned for that. And so that was just an amazing opportunity. Um, as I said before, journalism is an art form, and I believe it's a duty that um, you, you can't take lightly. And so I really appreciated that opportunity. That was a highlight of my time in law school. Um, as you also stated, um, working as a journalist for the Carolinian newspaper, which is um, a Black-owned newspaper here in the state of North Carolina, um, I wrote many pieces uh, uh, for that uh, newspaper as well and continue to write for them. Um, so that's been uh, a pleasure of mine also. Um, I would say another two accomplishments that I'm truly proud of are uh, making it onto one of the law reviews. So the Science and Intellectual Property Law Review, uh, as well as serving as a admissions ambassador for the law school as well. Um, so of course, you know, journalism, that's clear why, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the law review, but as far as the admissions ambassador role, uh, when I first visited the law school, um, I was first greeted by admissions ambassadors. And so they made me feel like I was at home. And so I knew when I entered into the law school, I wanted to make others feel that same way. So that's always been um, a pride of mine as well. And then uh, Mr. Brown, all the way from the Bronx. Uh, and I know that you were uh, actively involved in a number of uh, both inside and outside activities while you were a student. Uh, here. So can you just kind of talk about your accomplishments that you see as being uh, pivotal in uh, where you are today? 
Okay, so yeah, I'll start with uh, an accomplishment that's not necessarily law school related. Um, so me and all three of my kids are uh, class of 2022. Um, I have two graduating seniors, one that skipped a grade. Um, uh, she's going to USC for computer engineering. My oldest is going to NCANT for psychology. And then little guys graduating kindergarten. So that's like, to me, the biggest of, of all things is that divine uh, timing um, of class of 2022. Um, on the law school side, um, of course, um, being inducted into the NC Central Law Review um, in my 2L year, and then during my 3L year, being able to uh, have the opportunity to serve as the author relations editor um, is truly a, a great accomplishment of mine. And um, the fellowship that I did with um, and partnering with LexisNexis Rule of Law Foundation, LexisNexis African Ancestry Network, and of course, and then eventually down the line, securing a partnership with the Council on Legal Education Opportunity to house the project that the program that I founded, which is HB6U Law Practice Pipeline. Um, I designed the program to provide dedicated internship slots, externship slots um, with big, big law and corporate um, entities to dedicate internship slots to only the six HBCU law schools because we don't get enough attention, we don't get enough opportunity. And so um, we're working to launch that for summer of 2023. I'm extremely excited about um, that project and where it's where it came uh, in the last year and, and where it's um, continuing to go. Well, I will say, and, and I know I speak for Professor Joyner when I say this, uh, one of the absolutely wonderful things about being professors and educators, especially at NCCU School of Law, is that you all inspire us, you motivate us, and you, you make us um, know for certain that the future is in good hands. So thank you all for, for what you have done while at Central, what you will continue to do for this fine institution. Um, and what you will do for the society and communities at large. So um, we have a little bit of time left, but we want to hear what's next for you. So we know you've got graduation, you've got the bar exam, post-bar, what are your professional um, goals? And uh, Mr. Woods, let's start with you. Yes, ma'am. So there's quite a few things that I'm interested in. Um, I definitely want to continue writing. Um, journalism is one thing that I, you know, I feel like I will continue to be with me throughout um, and just uh, social engagement as well. So those are my two main things that I plan to focus on uh, post-graduation. Um, so I am seeking opportunities that would allow for me to um, basically pair those two together and, and, and grow and develop. Excellent. Ms. Greiner? So for me, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to narrow my focus down with juvenile law. Um, I want to specifically work on creating more diversion programs for um, children of color um, that has more of a holistic approach. Like we lack a lot of facilities that, you know, have areas of, you know, discipline training with you know, more aggression type of behavior traits, but also would include substance training and also would include mental health training. And so I've seen all of these to be isolated at different diversion programs, but there's not enough diversion programs that has all of these um, type of 
resources to help a child just in one and it is very important and so I kind of want to work on you know either creating my own or finding an organization that exists somewhere um, and learning under um, whoever is leading that program, but definitely something with uh, juveniles. And I think another big focus will be doing a little bit of public speaking and just simply because I think um, a way that I'll be able to like give back is to try and like um, step in and mediate before we have um, youth entering into the school to prison pipeline and things of that nature. So going to, you know, um, just local grassroots organizations that, you know, do after school, you know, um, programs with children of color and things like that. And just kind of actually speaking about that, you know, importance of working through like hard times because law school is so difficult and challenging. But, you know, I was able to persevere and like make it through it. And so I definitely think, you know, kind of sharing my story um, from beginning to end, you know, with um, children that look like me may kind of help remedy the disparate rate in which that we see, you know, children of color are entering into the juvenile justice system. And Mr. Brown. So, yeah, so, yeah I'm, I still I have, still a, have a, uh, 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 few, few different. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Know what, uh, no, more. no, it, that muscle memory. <laughs> Yeah, so I still have a uh, a few interest areas. So primarily, um, I like to pair my business administration degree, my entrepreneurship experience with the law in the realm of uh, trademarks, copyrights, contracts. Um, so that's the area that I'm looking into now. Um, I'd also like to continue scratching the social worker itch, um, working adjunct with Durham Tech and the HR, HRD department as well as um, conducting, uh, participating in, in expungement clinics um, and mentoring. And so that's kind of the two sides of, of the coin that I see myself going in right now. And Ms. Woodley. Yes, so um, for me, and as I was listening, I was like, oh wow, I did forget to, I guess, name Environmental Law Review. I'm super honored to be a part of Environmental Law Review. <laughs> Um, and super honored to serve as the managing editor. I was just, I guess I was just so focused on the basics for me um, of finishing. But um, yeah, for me, I am gonna be a civil litigation associate um, at Ellison Winters in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I will be the first African-American woman to serve as an associate at that firm. Um, and so someone actually asked me recently, um, well, what's your goal there, you know, to progress through? And I was like, you know, I, I found from talking to other lawyers and mentors that don't limit yourself. You know, I never know what opportunities will come up, um, but it would be something, you know, to be the first black female partner um, that that firm has ever seen. I don't know uh, what awaits me or, you know, maybe Katanji will, you know, reach her hand back and I'll be coming after her. Who knows? I don't know. The sky, I think, is the limit for all of us. Um, but I'm really excited to be serving there because I'll be doing um, business law, class actions. I'll be doing a mix of things, um, tort law, which I love, product liability. Um, but what I'm most excited about is that they're so big on pro bono work. Um, and they know that I always want to be able to do that kind of work, um, especially for juveniles. I have a passion for them. Um, so I share that with Ms. Greiner. And I'm going to be doing that <laughs> um, in addition to my nine to five or maybe nine to eight, however that looks, um, I always want to have a place to be able to do juvenile justice on the side. 
Well, excellent. Um, thank you all for taking time out. We know you all are in the midst of getting those final papers out and a few of you have some exams that you're working on, but we can't express enough how appreciative we are of your time, how proud we are of you. And we wish you the, the most success um, in your future. And we will, without a doubt, invite you back to be a guest on the Legal Eagle Review and to share with us um, what you've been doing. So we'd like to thank our guests, graduating NCCU law students, Chasley Woodley, Reginald Woods, Sherelle Greiner, and Herbert Brown. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email. You can reach us at legaleaglereview at nccu.edu. And if you ever miss this show on Sunday, you can find the show on our Legal Eagle Review podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.